All right, guys, so we're going to start a new lesson. So what we want to do is we want to get into 1 Corinthians. Now, the reason why I chose this book is this book is a long letter. It's about 16 chapters long. It deals with a church that has a lot of problems, okay? It is one of the early churches, and because of that, it is a church that Paul is writing. He actually wrote three letters. We have two of the letters in our New Testament where he is addressing some serious, serious problems that are going on within a church. And so I think that should help us a little bit because sometimes we operate under an illusion that while times were tough with the early church that everything went well. Well, no, everything didn't go well, okay? They had problems. They had people problems. In fact, anything that has people involved with it is going to have problems, right? Because people are funny, and it doesn't even matter what day. You know what I'm saying? You could, you know, it's just that you, when you have people, you have problems. So we're going to talk about when church becomes messy, and it definitely gets messy with the Corinthian church, and we can learn a lot from them. Now, before we begin, we kind of need to have an understanding of New Testament, New Testament books and New Testament letters and how to approach it, okay? Because a lot of times the way people approach the Scripture is, is they just read something and then they try to find a meaning for their life, and it may not be a proper way of looking at the Scripture. So we're going to talk about that for a little bit. So let's talk about the nature of New Testament epistles. So the New Testament is made up of four types of books. All right, so the New Testament has four types of books. They're not all the same, and therefore they shouldn't be all read the same. Okay, so the Gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, so you have the Gospels. They're a certain type of book. Then you have an historical book, which is the book of Acts. Acts is not a doctrinal book, but a history book. It is a history book of how the early church started up until its point of going to Rome, okay, when Paul goes to Rome. So it's a historical book. Then you have an apocryphal book. Now, apocrypha is, is a phrase that comes from the word apocalypse, and it talks about the end times, and that is the book of Revelation, okay? And then you have the epistles. The epistles is kind of the theological term for it, but letters. You have the letters that are made up in the Scripture. Now, each type of book varies in its purpose and structure. So each book has its own purpose, and it has its own structure, okay? You're not going to find the same structure throughout a lot of the letters or a lot of the books in the New Testament. The difference in types requires approaching the book based on its type. So when you approach the Gospels, you need to approach it as a Gospel, not as an epistle. Okay, You don't approach an epistle like you would a Gospel. You surely don't approach the book of Acts like you would an epistle. Okay. In fact, a lot of weird Christian beliefs that are out there come out of the book of Acts because people want to make it a doctrinal book. And uh, so, for instance, like the folks who say you have to be 
baptized in order to be saved. Okay? That comes out of the book of Acts. But that's not at all proper. But they're, they're, they go to the book of Acts to get their doctrine. It's a historical book. Each epi- the epistles can be divided into two groups. So you have two groups of epistles. You have the 13 letters of Paul. Okay, so if you think about it, the Apostle Paul wrote pretty much half of the New Testament. But they are letters. And then you have the general letters. These are letters that were written by others, like Peter or James or Jude. There's the book of Hebrews, the letter to to the Hebrews, which some people say is Paul. I think it's probably somebody in his circle of friends, but it's not Paul directly. The language doesn't fit with what Paul, and Paul would say it was him. Do you know what I'm saying? So, So you have these two groups of letters. The epistles are not consistent and uniform. So they're not consistent. They're not going to be the same. So for instance, when you read 1 John, it's a letter, but it's not a consistent letter. What do you mean? It doesn't have a greeting. So it's not like, I, John, the elder, to whoever. And typically in their New Testament time writing, they would start off by praising whoever they're writing. You know, I thank God because of this in your life. And then it goes on to the body. That's a typical New Testament letter, but that's not true of 1 John. 1 John probably was a circular letter. Do you know, do you know what, what do you mean by circular letter? Well, do you understand what a memo is? You know what a memo is at work? It, it circulates around. I just sent the memo out to the department. Do you know what I'm saying? Or to, to my area. And it's a circular letter that makes its way around. It's not personal. Shouldn't be. But it typically is something that is explaining something. And in Paul's, in John's instance here with 1 John, he's sending out a circular discussing these various issues to that church in about AD 90. Okay? Because he was in the church of Ephesus at that time. So, so you're going to see that they're not consistent. They're not uniform. The book of Hebrews is a letter, but it's definitely not consistent with any of the others, okay? So the epistles are intended for a specific occasion. When when Paul is writing, he's writing to specifically, or when one of the other writers are writing, they're writing to address something specifically. There's usually a question has come to the writer, or they've heard of an issue, and they're writing. So in Paul's case, when he writes 1 Corinthians, he got a report from somebody by the name of Chloe that there was some fighting going on in the church. Now, churches wouldn't fight, would they? Yeah, they do fight, okay? They get disagreements among themselves. And there were some serious disagreements and problems going on in the church in Corinth, and so he writes these letters. And so the first letter was pretty forceful, okay? So he's, you can tell he's, on, he's got an edge to what he's writing, and we're going to see that as we go through. But he's addressing certain things there. Now, it's important for you to, I don't, to understand that because then that makes it relevant to how we look at the letter and what it means for us, okay? 
So epistles were intended for a special occasion. The occasion of the epistle must be taken seriously. If you're going to understand the letter, you've got to understand why it's written. What is it, what is it addressing? Okay? What it's addressing. Now, they are not necessarily theological treatises. They're not necessarily theological treatises. They're not necessarily all doctrine. Did you understand? A lot of times it's an explanation of how we should be living our spiritual lives, not necessarily conveying huge theological truths. Okay? So, for instance, if you go to 3 John, 3 John is an interesting letter. John, the elder, John the apostle, is writing a guy by the name of Gaius, and uh, he is talking, commending Gaius for taking care of traveling ministers. And then, but he also refers to a guy by the name of Diotrephes, and he says that Diotrephes, I'm going to deal with him when I come, because he's putting people out of the church, he thinks he's a big shot, he's talking against me. When I get there, I'll set things straight. Now, that would be scary, don't you think? Why would that be scary? Because in a first century church, when the apostle shows up, stuff happens, right? You know, like, so remember Peter when he's talking to uh, the guy when he's ministering to the Samaritans and a guy wants to buy Simon, whatever his name is, wants to buy the Holy Spirit as a gift, and uh, Peter rebuked him and a guy turned blind immediately. Do you, you, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's interesting, different time period, God's working to establish his church. So when you get a letter saying, I'm going to come and set that right, that's not a theological treatise. That's just reality. He's going to come and make right whatever this dude's doing that's wrong. Do you, do you understand? So not everything is a theological treatise. Now, here's how we're going to interpret things. The text cannot mean what it never meant to its author or original re readers. The text cannot mean what it didn't mean to the author or its original readers, period. So I can go to the Bible and get principles about how to use things in my life or how to use technology or whatever, but let's just go ahead and say it. The text isn't going to tell you about technology, your smartphone. There weren't any smartphones 2,000 years ago. But there are principles about what I feed my mind with, right? Okay, so they're there. You can't make the scripture fit your situation to make it communicate something. You have to look at what it meant to them, and then you bring that principle over. In fact, that's the next thing I want you to see. When we share similar life situations with the first century church, God's word is the same for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? When I look at their situation, and, and, and let's be honest, while our trappings may be different and we have more technology and so forth and things like that, we do face similar situations, though. We do have problems with people. Or, or have we advanced so much that we don't have problems with people today? No, we do have problems with people, right? We have difficulties. So there's scripture that talks about how to deal with each other. We have Problems in our marriages, right? There's scriptures that talk about that. There are different, there are things that haven't changed in the millennia as far as how human beings relate to each other. And the scripture talks about that. 
So what is applicable to them is applicable to us. But I can't make it into something I want it to be today. Do you understand? That's not proper. That's, that's wrong. So let's talk about 1 Corinthians now. So this is where we're going to go with the Corinthians, okay? So the author of the letter is the Apostle Paul who established the church in Corinth. So he established it. Now what he typically did, if you remember his missionary journeys, is, is that he would travel around to various cities after the, God moved his heart to go to the Gentiles, which, by the way, that's you and I, right? Okay? And he would go into a community. He would usually find a group of Jews and share with them the gospel because he was Jewish. He would go to the synagogue if they had a synagogue, and he would share the gospel with them. In this instance, in fact, I gave you the reference. It's Acts chapter 18, 1 to 18. He found two people who were of the same trade as him. So Paul, by trade, was trained to be a tent maker. He was a guy who worked with canvas. And he found two people, Priscilla and Aquila. Do you remember those names? It's a husband and wife. And they were believers. They came from Rome. All right, so the church was established in Rome way before the apostles got there. Why? Because of the pilgrims who were in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. It says there were people from Rome there and who got saved, and so they obviously went back and spread the gospel there. So the reality is, is when Claudius was the emperor, he kicked out all the Jews out of Rome, and that would force Priscilla and Aquila to leave, and so they came to Corinth. Now, Paul meets them, and uh, he is helping them. Do you know what I'm saying? And so they established a church there. That year in which they did that was A.D. 55. The date of the letter is A.D. 55. All right, so that's when it was written. Now, let's talk about the purpose of the letter. So again, remember I told you, we have to recognize what the purpose is, okay? So the letter provides a glimpse into the first century church with its problems. And trust me, it has its problems. I, I can remember when I first became a pastor back in the mid-90s, being with other guys, and you would hear this common, commonly heard phrase among churches that was kind of a byline that they would say, we're trying to be the first century church. Have you heard that before? We're trying to get back to being the first century church. Now, that, that sounds cool. Now, the problem is, I would answer them by saying, which one? Because there were many first century churches, and some were good, and some were, had some problems. This one had some problems. I didn't hear anybody say, I want to be like the first, the Corinthian church. So the letter provides a glimpse into the problems of the churches. This gives us a glimpse into the first century. And the main church at this time was the church in Jerusalem. That was the big church, okay? That was a big church, and the pastor was a guy by the name of James, the brother of Jesus, all right? And then, of course, the apostles who were there. Now, the first part of the letter deals with an, 
is an attempt by the apostle to deal with problems in the church. So he's going to try and deal with problems in this church. What kind of problems? Well, let me explain to you some of the problems they were dealing with. First of all, they, he had to deal with a very major problem, and that was divisions. Rather than being one group who loved each other and unified, trying to reach the world with the gospel, they had splintered into various groups who were very angry with each other. They were having disputes, and their center of their disputes were the preacher they followed. So when you get into the letters, they'll say, some will say, I'm of Paul. And Paul says, and that's interesting, but I don't remember baptizing any of you. So why do you say that? I'm of Paul. Then there were some that said they were of Apollos. Now, who was Apollos? He was a young guy, an Alexandrian, who was an eloquent speaker. He could teach, and he knew the scriptures well, and so some people were following him. The really spiritual one says, I'm of Jesus, okay? But the problem is, is they've splintered, so he tries to address the issue of divisions. Here's the other thing he tries to address the issue of, is arrogance. They thought they were it. They thought that they were spectacular. They thought they were, uh, you know, the cat's meow, so to speak. And he points out to them that none of them in the world, as far as the world, none of them are superhuman. None of them are popular. Not, you know, God chooses the less thans of the world. You know what I'm saying? So he tries to deal with that, tries to deal with issues of marriage. He tries to deal with an issue of, a direct issue of sin. They're tolerating sin in their midst. What kind of sin? Well, you're going to, when we read it, there's a dude in their midst that they're accepting and forgiving who is living with his stepmother. And Paul says, not even the unbelieving world around you does that. And you think you're spiritual by tolerating that? First of all, that's weird, isn't it? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? But this, they were tolerating it. So he's dealing with problems, okay? And we're going to see how he addresses that. So the second part of the letter, he addresses various questions posed by the church. So he's going to address some different questions, like the use of gifts, Spiritual gifts, that's a major portion. There's three chapters devoted to that alone. So he's trying to deal with various questions. The issue of giving, okay? He's going to talk about giving, all right? And there's some interesting things there that we don't hear very often, but they're good for us to know, okay? He's going to talk about various items, marriage, divorce, okay? So he's going to talk about a lot of being single. He addresses singleness, okay? So he's going to address various questions that were posed by the church. The final question that the, the apostle deals with is the defense of the resurrection. There were some people there who said that there was no resurrection, that when you die, you die, that's it. So he, he goes about proving, teaching them that the resurrection of Jesus is real and their resurrection, which is yet to come, is real. Okay, so he, he spends an entire chapter, very long chapter, it's the longest chapter in the epistle, discussing this issue. So we're going to see that issue. So then if we're going to do a basic outline of the book, okay, we can just divide it into two parts. The church's problems, so he's addressing that head on, right off the bat, church's problems, okay? We're going to find that in chapter 1, verse 1 through 
chapter 6, verse 20, okay? And then chapter 2, I mean, the second part is the church's questions. We're going to see that in chapter 7, verse 1, through chapter 16, verse 24, okay? So we're going to see those issues. So we're going to start, and we're going to be here for, I mean, it's 16 chapters, and it's not like we're doing a chapter a week, okay? So we're going to be here several months, and I think it's going to be a really good study. And what I'm looking forward to is our discussion, okay? Our discussion about these issues, trying to wrap our brain around what he's saying and try to relate it to where we are today, okay? Try to relate it to where we are today. 